Hello, listeners with attitude. I'm Michael. And I'm Nathan. And you're listening to The Power Trip, a journey through the Power Rangers franchise. And in today's episode, we're discussing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Nathan. Yes. We are three episodes in so far. Uh-huh. How are you? How you doing? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. How about yourself? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. You know, we're, I feel like we're in the easy part of, of the, uh, of the <laughs> franchise. Yeah. Because we only have something that's what, about a hundred minutes to talk about as opposed to <laughs> 50 to 60 episodes. <laughs> I mean, there's that, but I'm talking about just the, the mighty Morphin portion of the franchise itself is considerably easier to talk about than, say, later seasons. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Megaforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, opinions. <laughs> anyway, I have them. <laughs> but we'll save it until we get to that episode. So, Nathan, do you want to go ahead and tell our listeners with attitude today's plot synopsis? I would love to. Cue the music. The ancient villain Ivan Ooze is unleashed from his underground prison and dethrones Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa, setting his sights on conquering the world. Of course, he invades the command center, leaving the Rangers without their powers and Zordon on the brink of death. Their last hope is to travel to a distant planet to find the source of their power, but many perils stand in their way. So, Nathan, we're talking about the movie today. Yes. Uh, let's give everybody a little bit of background on this, because I think there's a few details here that are worth talking about. Sure. The most important thing to keep in mind with this is that this was bound to happen. Let's be honest. <laughs> Right. <laughs> when you have something as huge as Power Rangers, you're they're going to ask you to make a movie. They yeah. just are. So the the powers that be at 20th Century Fox, which I guess means this is now a Disney movie. Mm, back then, no. But but now, but now, technically, I guess maybe. I'm confused. Anyway, so. <laughs> they came to Haim Saban and said, hey, we want to make a movie. Well, from what I saw on the special features for the Blu-ray, then that actually inspired a discussion about, well, if we're going to make a movie, how do we go about it? And they actually had a talk about whether or not they should make it like Batman 89 or if they should make it as the actor who played Skull put it, Mighty Mouse plus Superman. <laughs> I don't think I've read. I don't think I've read that part. It's no, it's a special feature on the Blu-ray. Oh, I haven't watched the special features. You should. <laughs> I should. This, this is right. why you. This is why I'm your co-host, right? Because you're like he'll watch all the things and do the research, and then he's. <laughs> I'm just here. I'm just here for good looks and my uh, vast knowledge of Power Rangers acquired over 35 years of exist of existence. 
you're just saying that because Julie already made jokes about how you have to be cute because you and I spent six hours oh, talking about Power God. Rangers. Anyway, now, do we really want to bring? Do we really want to bring the significant others into this? <laughs> There's only one. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to take a wild guess and say they settled on Mighty Mouse plus Superman. Basically, they replicated the show. I don't know if Power Rangers in the vein of Batman 89 would have worked, <laughs> at least at this point. I don't know. It, it, it could have worked. I mean, well, okay, so not at this point in history. No, I don't think it could have worked at this point in Ranger history. I think uh, I think what we got was, one, to be expected, and two, what the audience, act- what the audience was asking for. Because yeah. you, you got to remember, this movie is not for adults. This is a kid's movie through and through. Uh, this is at the height of Ranger. This is the height of Ranger popularity. Uh, some would even some would even argue. I I don't necessarily feel like I'm one of those people, but some would even argue that the franchise starts going downhill from here. We'll talk about it in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that's we'll talk fair. about it in the next episode. But I also found out that. Brian Spicer, the director, and I think he also helped work on the script because I mm. guess the script needed worked out because the studio oh, wasn't the quite happy need, with oh, it. Oh, the script needed some doctoring. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Brian Spicer it was his first time directing a movie. He had done some TV before this, but this was his first big movie, and he even told the actors, oh my gosh, this is my first big movie, and they said, it's ours too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so you're 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 directing a bunch of quote unquote teenagers um about a movie or with a with a movie about a show that they're already on. I mean, it's it can't be I mean, it, it can't be much of a change. I don't I, I wouldn't assume. Except there's a lot of stuff that is different about filming a movie than a television show. Uh, there's more money and you gotta, you, you gotta learn how to use your resources and the actors had to get used to it cause they were used to, you do it fast. You get, you know, one, two, maybe three takes and you just keep going. And this guy was doing 30 takes for, for everything because they had the time and the money that sure. they could do that. Sure. Whereas on the show, they're, filming three episodes a week or something crazy like that. Cause that's just how TV is. Right. And that's why you'll notice that the, not only they, they put the money on the, on screen for sure. Yeah. Well, with, the, with the effects and the costuming and everything, but the, the camera work is more dynamic. The camera work is more cinematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, especially at this time, television cinematography was more workmanlike overall. It wasn't until later when TV yeah. was like, well, we got to compete with movies now. So we got to, Make it look like a movie. Right. Right. But you know, this, this movie was no slouch back in the nineties. I mean, it had, no, a, it, it, it had a, it had a, it had a humble budget, but it ended up making, it actually ended up being very profitable. Yes. It had a budget of $15 million, which in mid nineties is, it's, I wouldn't call it low budget, but it wasn't necessarily high budget either. Right. It's like mid tier uh, budget. Yeah, at this point, and it made sixty six point four million. I'm looking mm-hmm. at here, so it definitely made a profit, made a right, very good it, profit. And it also released the day after my birthday. That makes me happy. Oh, I didn't June thirtieth. Okay. Yeah, June thirtieth. Yeah, it, it I did. had a best friend when I was a kid whose birthday was June thirtieth. So we kind of bonded over the fact that our birthdays were a day apart. It um it did it did really well overall. 
uh, worldwide. Like you said, it, it made over 66 million worldwide. It made 38, I think, yeah, it made 38 million domestic though. Uh, so, I mean, which makes perfect sense because, well, Power Rangers is an American property and, you know, American <laughs> kids in the nineties were going nuts for the guys, the guys and gals in spandex. Yeah. I want to know when it was released in Japan, because I remember <laughs> our friend Jack and the rest of the drifters talking about this on the drift space. And uh, Jack mused that he would have loved to have been in a Japanese theater when this was released, because I guarantee you the Japanese audience just, would, they would have spent the entire 90 plus minutes of the runtime, just scratching their heads going, what is this? They got five suits from Zhu Ranger, one suit from Die Ranger and, and the Mecha from Kaku Ranger. Who threw super Sentai into a blender and the, uh, uh, well, super through super Sentai, a bunch of money and a whole bunch of crazy Americans into a blender and then dump this out. I mean, what is, I mean, but it's, you know, the movie, the movie is different enough uh, well, the, the, the Power Rangers franchise is different enough from, from, uh, Super Sentai alone, but the movie is, I feel like heads and shoulders more different than even the show itself. I mean, we've got new, we've got new Ranger suits, new villain suits, uh, brand new monsters of the week, brand new actors that are brand new villains, uh, a new command, a new set piece for the command center. Uh, like you said, a bigger budget, uh, really shitty CGI, uh, <laughs> I mean, make sure you bleep that. <laughs> I will bleep that out. Like, uh, we've got everything. We've got everything. <laughs> I should give you. Uh, I'll send you the dragon dagger <laughs> with uh, you know flutes. So you can, uh, so you can uh, we got really like, <laughs> you know, like play a note or two of the dra- of the dragon sword song. <laughs> That's oh, what I but, did to you when I had you on Henshin then. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean this movie, but this movie stands out to me as being completely different than the show. Although it's the same premise, it's our same actors, it's the same idea, it's the same franchise, mm-hmm. but to me this movie is completely different than the show. Yeah, but I the thing that needs to be noted is this is not, and I was surprised when I was younger, before I saw this, I Uh honestly thought this was supposed to be in the same universe as the show. It's not, this is its own thing. It just happens to have very similar characters because it, the events of this movie are contradicted in the next season of the show. Oh, very much so. So this is in its own pocket, like not pocket universe. This is in its own little divergent universe, which makes me think because in true star Wars fashion, we get scroll up text at the beginning of this. Movie. <laughs> all, we're, all we're missing, we, but they take it a step further. Like, Oh, we're going to, Oh, star Wars did scroll up text. Well, we'll do them one better. We'll have scroll up text and we'll have a very epic sounding narrator reading the text for you to add gravitas, even though this movie is incredibly silly. (laughs) Hey, it worked. I mean, as a, as a kid, as a kid who grew up with this movie, I saw this movie in, okay, let me ask you this. This is, I think this is fair. This is a fair part of the question. The fair, fair part of the episode to talk about. Where were you when you watched this movie for the first time? Do you remember? 
I was an adult by the time I got around to it. Cause like I said, oh. at this point I had lost interest. Shame on you. Well, I take it back. I take it back. I caught part of it once when it was on TV, when I was in high school, I want to say. Oh, you poor. I didn't poor, go see it in the theater. You poor, poor sheltered child. You poor, <laughs> poor sheltered child. I watched this in a drive-in theater with my mom and dad. And I re- I remember that so vividly because the drive-in theater that we were at had really crappy speakers. And so I was having to, I was having to like take the little, we, I was having to take the little speaker and like yank it off of its cradle and put it next to my ear to hear what the heck was even going on. Oh yeah. I bet I've, uh, I went to drive-in theaters a lot when I was a wee lad. So I've, I, I know what you're talking about. Drive-in theaters are amazing. I'm so oh, drive-in sad theaters. that I they love drive-in disappeared. Theaters. Yeah. There's one, there actually is one with the still around and within decent driving distance. They actually made a bit of a comeback mm-hmm. during, during, pan- the, during the pandemic quarantine because yeah. you could just stay in your car and watch the movie. Yeah. It was like to the, get out. You could still social distance. It was great. I was, I'm really, really hoping, or I was really hoping. I don't, I think that time my may have passed now, but I was really hoping at the height of quarantine, uh, we were, we were going to get some, we were going to get drive-in theaters back. Like it was, there was going to be a drive-in theater resurgence. Like AMC comes in and announces we're building 10,000 new drive-in theaters across the country. Honestly, that would have been amazing. Um, because I miss the days of drive-in theater. My, just as a sidebar, I know this is unrelated to this conversation, so we'll get back on topic in a minute. Listeners with attitude, but my very first, uh, drive-in theater movie was actually the Flintstones. Interesting. My first one was a was one of the Star Trek movies. Oh, that's and fun. I was very, very, very young when that happened. And if I remember correctly, according to my uh, according to my parents, that drive-in theater ended up getting shut down and torn down because they were stupid enough to show pornography. Oh, well, that's moving sounds- on. Anyway, that sounds so, like fun. Yeah. So, scroll up text. So, which I think is there. I. I wrote down as it catches up the uninitiated. I really should just wrote down that's there for the parents. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the oh, parents have got dragged there so they can at least understand. 110%. That is that this is here for that scroll of text is here for the parents. Well, which is kind of a sad commentary because parents should probably be watching what their kids are watching. But anyway, well, I mean, this was the height of the satanic panic. So you could, yeah. you could, you would assume that they would at least know. Well, um, obviously they know what the power Rangers are. Mm-hmm. And so they, I don't know if, unless you're an overprotective parent in the nineties, I mean, if you're bringing your kid to watch a power, you would, you have to know what power Rangers are, are at this point. So, I mean, okay. So I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know where I'm going with that, yeah, but it's yeah. just, I don't know. Like I said, it catches, it's, it's there for the uninitiated, which sure would have might have been largely parents but here's the thing i find interesting given how that scroll up text is written i get the impression and this is why i say this is in its own universe i could make the argument Mm -hmm. that in this universe we didn't have jason trini and zach the ones we see in the movie they are the rangers and they were the rangers at the start you know you're not wrong because I'm trying to remember the exact wording of the scroll up text. It's been a, it's at the time of this recording. It's been a few days since I've watched the movie. So mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what the scroll up text says. There was nothing there to indicate that they had swapped out Rangers. Well, okay. So, you know, you could make, you could make that argument that the, that Jason, Zach and Trini were completely erased from the franchise. I mean, you could, you could I make. wouldn't say, I'm not saying erased. I'm saying in this universe, they weren't chosen. They weren't chosen. Yeah. Now it was Adam, Aisha and Rocky from the get go. Mm-hmm. We don't even know if Tom, it sounds like Tommy was probably there from the start too. And he wasn't the green Ranger. So you know, yeah. we're given no indications that any of the big events from the show up to that point actually happened. All we know is that there were six of them and they were chosen by Zordon and they're fighting bad guys. I mean, it could also be a case of contract disputes and them not wanting to get into legal trouble too. So maybe, but like I said, this is very firmly established as being in its own universe. That is a less, but that is a less sexy answer. Sure. Anyway, we're <laughs> going on from there. But you can tell. I remember when the movie came out, and you can just looking at this, just listening to the soundtrack in this thing. This was this was a pop culture event, and they've got like popular songs in the soundtrack. Oh my god! Red the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like these are actual. Like they these are not pop songs or anything that were made for the movie. They are actual pre-existing pop songs. The power, you know, I got the power. I mean, it's so obvious that it has to be in there. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> we, we have Kung Fu Dancing, which is by Carl Douglas, the guy who did uh, Kung Fu Fighting. You know, everybody was Kung Fu Fighting. fighting. Yeah. We have we, Journey. We have Van Halen in this. Oh, is it Van Halen or Journey? I can't. It's I always Van get Halen. Oh, I always get I know screwed what up. Journey, you're talking to somebody who knows what Journey sounds like. If it was Journey, I would have known. No, it's Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all over the place all these popular songs and we have a okay we're uh we're getting to the themes we should probably get into the theme song portion of uh of the notes but i mean the gracious theme, the theme song in this is meh i mean it's it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a remix of the original theme it's fine whatever Bite I your like tongue. It. Okay, we're gonna get it. We're gonna have to disagree on this one. I love this version of the theme. Really? It really, sounds. Nathan? It sounds cinematic. It sounds big. <laughs> okay, I will. Okay, it sounds I will say really this. exciting to me, especially when you overlay this. it over the Rangers doing their trademark backflips to get into a fight. I love it. I will say this. I like this theme song more than the one they used for the 2017 movie. There. You mean in that one shot where they play a little bit of it when the when they finally get the Zords? Yeah, like an hour in, and they're and an hour in, the movie's only got what say fifteen minutes left, and they're just now getting their Zords. Yeah, there, that. Go watch it again. It's the same thing. It is not. Yes, it is. It is. I double checked. Oh no, it is it's not the, the same, same thing. It's not the same. It song. is the same. It thing. is not the same song. No, it sir, it is not the same song. No. Pause the recording and go watch it right now. Uh, it's fine. the same thing. Okay, audio listener, this is a first for the Power Trip Podcast. I'm going to pause the recording long enough to go watch this, and then I'll be right back. A few moments later. Godzilla, damn it. <laughs> I'm 
I'm telling you, I don't hear it. I don't hear it at all. I don't. <laughs> As you can tell, listeners, with attitude, Michael just made a huge investment in a river in Egypt. <laughs> okay, they're exactly the same. I'm sorry. <laughs> Never. Doubt the nerd. <laughs> oh, how did I not know that? Because I probably, well, I'll tell you why I don't know. I probably, I'll tell you why I didn't know that. Because I don't watch the 2017 movie all that often. I don't like the 2017 movie. So this also coming from the guy who bought a movie he hates in 4K. Look, if I'm going to hate watch something, I'm going to hate watch it in the highest resolution available. There we go. <laughs> That's the, dude, this, that's almost like me going out and buying some really fancy hardcover of, I don't know, Spider-Man One More Day. <laughs> like, um, I mean, I, you all, I almost bought you a, a copy of uh, Pacific Rim Uprising in 4K for Christmas if you didn't already have a copy. I, I bought a copy because I got it as cheap as possible and only because I'm covering it for the for the film vault next season. <sighs> All Good right. Lord. Anyway. Our, our, anyway. Rang, our Rangers. Our Rangers. Now that we've covered, now that we've covered the yeah. theme song. Well, it's, there's not a whole lot to say because it's, it's the team we've had since halfway through season two. And yeah. they're basically the same other than the fact the characterization and performances are basically the same. It's yeah. just on the big screen other than yeah. some, you know, some differences in their history that we can potentially infer from the <laughs> scroll up text. That's about it. Yeah, well, I don't know if we, I don't know if this classifies, but I mean, we, we get the same Rangers. We get the same exact Rangers that we've known since halfway through season two, but we get brand new Ranger suits. And we get uh, a little bit of a little bit of new Ranger tech, too, in this movie. Uh, so Rocky has a uh, a scanner in his 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 helmet can magically transform into a scanner. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and, uh, through the magic of jump cuts. <laughs> yeah, through the magic of jump cuts. Yep. So because uh, we don't have the money to to get the effects to work. <laughs> Well, okay. So to be, to be fair though, to be fair, like there was a lot of work done behind the scenes to try to make these suits as, um, I guess as tactical, tactical is probably the best word to use because that's how these suits kind of look. They look like colorful tactical armor. And originally, yeah. originally, um, they were supposed to be a little bit more armored, but they ended up having to scale these things down because the actors literally could not move in them. Yeah. This is at a point where, you know, basically doing Iron Man is a little untenable. The, the, the funny thing is, is they did something similar. They basically went this route, but even further in the 2017 movie, but they just use CGI, which, yeah. Bugged me a little bit because I'm like, we've seen you do a practical Iron Man armor. I you know, do it for the Power Rangers because I am not opposed to the Rangers having more armor-like designs for their suits. In fact, it just makes sense to be honest. But yeah, you know, as opposed to the spandex, but now they did the spandex because it was cheaper to make and it's easier to move in, obviously. But 
you know, so, but I like the look of these suits. I like them a lot. And they actually were want to do some other things with it. They thought about making the visors open up or having exposed mouths, which would have made them all look like Judge Dredd, I'm just saying. But <laughs> I am the power. I- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, outside of all outside of all that, it's the same it's the same suits we've grown to love and appreciate uh for Just a while. With a heck of a lot more money thrown at it. Although oh, some yeah. of the little touches with the proportioning is a, seems a little weird at least from some camera angles. You know, the weirdest one I think is Tommy because the shield, the tiger shield Mm-hmm. Looks looks weirdly proportioned to that suit. It's a little bit smaller. It only covers basically his chest, and yeah. it wraps around his uh, wraps around to his back. Mm-hmm. It, uh, whereas on the show, it's basically a breastplate. Basically, yeah. So that I mean, that kind of stuff bugs me. But honestly, I'm willing to look over it. Yeah. Uh, but because- the, what are some other little additions? <laughs> Aisha has <laughs> she has uh, little headlights on her helmet, which. Yes. At at one point look a little silly, but it also seems very practical. Oh, it's extremely practical. Like and I would imagine- late, and then but then we have later on in some other Power Ranger and Sentai shows, they're car themed and they literally put headlights on the helmets and they light up. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean it's I feel like it's extremely practical because uh, you know, they all of these Ranger suits have animal eyes and animal features to them, so why not have headlights in the eyes that you can call upon? I mean, it just makes sense. It just makes sense. And, you know, you know, given the fact that this is a bigger budget, this is, uh, you know, this is a, this is a, a a formal, um, official Hollywood production. Of course, they're going to do little things like this to kind of up the, up the, up the, uh, cinematic, cinematic value. I don't know. That's probably not the right term to use. (laughs) I, I think the word you're looking for is production value. Production value. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate that. You're welcome. It's late. So I'm trying to, the words are hard today. The words are hard. I I understand. But, and then we have a couple of our characters. They have completely different weapons. Not all of them have weapons, but a couple of them have completely different weapons. So Mm -hmm. Kim doesn't have a bow. She has a, like a hook thing. Oh, it's a, it's a whip. It's basically a whip with a blade on the end. Right. And Billy has a grappling hook slash zip line. Yeah. Um, that's odd. And Saba looks weird. The fact that oh. Saba's even in here is a small miracle. And he, well, yeah, he still looks weird. It's, it's still, it's still weird. It's not the same Saba as the show. <laughs> yeah. Because, because he apparently likes spinning around, uh, f- uh, enemies and then flying up and zapping a rope and making a crate fall on them as opposed to, I don't know, impaling them because he's a sword. <laughs> oh, wait, we have to keep this PG. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think, imp- I don't think impaling people is, I mean, that's pretty PG. Mm, probably. Well, they it's probably fine. could have done it with this, with the, with the ooslets, which we'll talk about the ooslets in a bit, mm. but yeah, so it's, it's interesting the the little changes that they made. I'm actually just glad they're using weapons because I miss when the Rangers used weapons. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and we talked about that. I think we talked about that the last episode where yeah. you know as the season progresses, especially during the uh, the Mighty Morphin series, it, it becomes very noticeable. They use their power blasters significantly less um, as the as the Mighty Morphin series goes on. So. You're right. It's a small miracle that they're using weapons at all in yeah. this movie. 
Yeah, but they also continue the show's tradition of making them involved in everything. Okay, I'm because I'm telling you, 99.9% of teenagers never have lives this exciting. I mean, <laughs> how I knew many of them, how many people can say when they were in high school, they went skydiving? Okay, for and they did charity, it as part of some Nathan. crazy charity event. It's for charity, Nathan. I, I get mean, it. I get it. I'm just like, it's for the children. <laughs> okay, Kim. And if, <laughs> so speaking of the children, let's talk about the most important sub- new supporting cast member that we have, which is this kid. Uh, we have a power canny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fred Kelman, this kid, this, I don't know. He's probably what, 10? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll say he's 10. He's 10. The thing he's is, 10, is yeah. that the thing is, is he's, barely in this movie yeah but what he does counts though what he I mean, does counts i'm just saying he's barely in it <laughs> i wouldn't say he's i wouldn't say he's a kenny per se because we know I, I know you know talking about kaiju film uh we use the term kenny pretty derogatorily and liberally and liberally but you know at least at least fred has stuff to do at least he does things that are integral integral to the plot yeah, well, and he does, I mean, he has a whole subplot in this, and it's connected to everything else that's going on, and the kid's a decent actor, I'll say that much. Oh, no, he's, yeah, he's, for a kid act, for a kid actor in a kid's movie that we're supposed to take seriously, yeah, sure, I mean, he's, I'm, he's, he's I guess, my theory would be that Fred was introduced to basically be the audience surrogate, in this case, the kids. Right. So, and he's somewhat involved in what's going on, because Part of Ivan Ooze's evil plan is to basically hypnotize. He only does it to the adults, which is interesting. He doesn't do it to the kids, but he hypnotizes all the adults in Angel Grove to basically be slave labor so he can manufacture bits of himself, I guess. That's what I thought it was. It's like Ivan's well, so Ooze's he can ma- bits so, of himself. Well, they serve two purposes. They serve two purposes. Uh, well, actually, they serve only one real purpose. Is it one prime? No, they serve two purposes. You're right. You're right. Um, to uh, to manufacture little bits of himself that he sells in little jars, which I wish I had. No, he gives it away. Remember, he gives he's it like, away. it's free because he has. He makes a little commercial that reminds me of Batman 89. Maybe this is one of those bits of Batman 89 that did come through when he's doing the crazy commercials, getting trying to get people to buy his stuff. Oh, to get his stuff. It's very Joker slash Penguin-ish. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of specifically. It, 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 there was some Jack Nicholson Joker energy in that ad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so he gives this st- he gives this ooze away to kids, uh, but the kids take it home, and the parents get a hold of it. One and specifically, Fred's father sees it on the counter, touches it, and then the ooze magically transforms him into a zombie, and it, and it uh, cuts to a scene of all these other parents walking down the street towards this factory or towards this rock quarry rather, um, where construction site, construction site where they are, uh, digging up the remains of two ancient Zords that belonged to Ivan ooze back when he was, uh, in power. Yeah. So they're slave labor. Basically, but, yes. They're basically slave labor, and Fred figures that out, and he's trying to get the other kids to help because the kids at first are just like, no, parents. 
parents were going to go crazy. And then he's like, no, our moms and dads are do- doing, you know, they're being mind controlled and they're, it's horrible. We need to help them and blah, blah, blah. And then Bulk and Skull help them out, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and then you get, and then you get, I think one of the, one of the, one of the only original songs in this, uh, in this whole movie, uh, oh, we're in trouble. Yeah. Something's going on and it bursts our bubble. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if that's a real song out there somewhere, like before this movie, I want to know, but I think that was originally written. For, I think that was originally written for the song. I'm trying to, I'm looking at the I'm soundtrack, at, trying to be like, where, who did that one? I may I just, have to look that up. Uh, it's, uh, it's trouble by shampoo. And it it was and it and it debuted in an album just the year before. I'm just saying this had a an extremely legit soundtrack that was just full of you know what was oh, popular. Did. Yeah, I mean, like all shenanigans aside, it, it yeah, all shenanigans aside, it did have a legitimate soundtrack. Yeah, but anyway. So, uh, so he's running around trying to deal with that side of things while the Rangers are trying to get their powers back or fight the bad guys. Cause then Ivan Ooze, he's like, well, I'm done with you. All of you go jump off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so then the kids Literally. are trying to save their parents, which is well, admittedly kind of interesting. What I want to know is how slow are these parents walking? Because the events of this movie, those parents should have been dead like 30 minutes or so before the Rangers even got there. Well, the kids were standing in their ways and the the kid then tried to go full tilt planet of the apes on the parents with that hose. (laughs) It's a madhouse. A madhouse. (laughs) I'm just, uh, I'm just saying. So yeah, he has some interactions with the Rangers, but his story is for the most part, his subplot, I should say, is for the most part separate. Right. It's not terrible. Yeah. You know, it's, it, yeah, no, it, it shows not, a different side it, of it, what's it, happening. It serves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It serves the purpose. It, it does. It serves a purpose. Yeah. And now we're going to move on to the, she could be supporting cast, but I put her in the allies category. I like to call her miss too hot for TV. Mm. <laughs> I like to I like to call her the future Mrs. Hamilton, but considering <laughs> if you keep this in, the consequences from <laughs> the consequences are all on you. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you may not want to show your uh, your lady this movie. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, she's seen it. She's oh, has she? It. I don't know how yeah, she'll feel about it. the comparison. But anyway, we're moving. Oh, it's a uh, little Dulcia. <laughs> Dulcia. 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 I have no idea how they got the how they got away with this. <laughs> uh, I mean, probably some. I would. I would assume someone behind. This, I'm, I'm assuming someone at the at in the director's chair or in the writing room said, you know. This is a we're we need to find some way to get pe- to get butts in seats, specifically middle aged dads. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what you're saying is they pulled a show of Gamera and they said it's a kids movie, but put a hot chick and get the dads in the in seats. <laughs> 
basically, <laughs> basically, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much that that's pretty much the gist of it. You know, in all you know, all jokes aside, like I know we're being, well, I know we're being silly because this is an inherently silly movie. But you know, Dulcia is a is a pretty decent character in her own right. Yeah, although I did write in my notes, she uh, she says, "Follow me." And I wrote, I'll follow her anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but she, but the thing is, is that in terms of, because when I was watching the special features, the director said that when he was tweaking the script, he wanted this to be as weird as it sounds. Although we've talked about this before already. He said he wanted it to be like the Wizard of Oz, where he takes the audience to a, a completely different world. And we've talked, I've talked before about the Joseph Campbellian hero's journey. This is the hero's journey to a T basically. Absolutely. Where your heroes have to go on a quest to acquire new knowledge or weapons in order to defeat their nemesis. They have a mentor along the way. In this case, it's Dulcia and Dulcia it serves as a mentor, but she also serves as kind of a guide in a way. And I know this might sound weird, but she reminds me a bit, particularly when we get to the scene when she's given the Rangers their ninjetti powers and is explaining what each of their new, basically, spirit animals mean. I was getting Galadriel vibes from Lord of the Rings when she was giving gifts to each member of the Fellowship. And, you know, telling them what mm-hmm. the significance of each of the gifts was. And it's, mm-hmm. it, so she's, yeah. she serves a key purpose in the story. She just happens to look very good in a battle bikini. I'm just... <laughs> and she has interesting weapons, too. Those howling sta- uh, staves. Uh, yeah, the howling... I mean, it's... I, f- I get the impression that the howling stabs are only effective against Tengu though possibly but they were still really cool but but she has she could yeah, but they were. she could keep this she could put it she has to take it apart i'm guessing if she left it together she could take care of things very well with that full bow staff there in fact she didn't she she knocked one of the rangers over and basically took him to town it's like what are you doing <laughs> yeah she did yeah it was uh she um uh, I think it was uh, Tommy that she knocked over. Yeah, uh, she made so she made it abundantly clear she is not to be trifled with. <laughs> oh no! I mean, she's lived she's lived on this planet. Presumably, we're we're led to believe that she's by herself on this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, her and just well, she's the only she's the only human character on this planet. I mm-hmm. should say. Yeah, and she didn't so even she like has the Rangers. To be she didn't even like the Rangers. She basically said, "Many have come here seeking the uh, seeking power, and all have failed." You know, like all this. The only reason she even lets them by is because they name drop Zordon. She's like, "Zordon, you know Zordon." Okay, I like you now. <laughs> which you know, which typically happens in these uh, in these heroes' journey stories. Like, there's there's usually uh, there's usually an ally that is on the fence about whether they want, whether they want to help our heroes until they either name drop something or reveal something. Uh, only they would know about themselves that the other person is also aware of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you also get the impression that even though she, she shows up about halfway through the movie, she's in it for maybe what, 10, 15 minutes at the most. 
and then she disappears. Yeah, maybe like maybe maybe liberal. If I'm if I'm being liberal, probably twenty minutes. Yeah, but then she disappears. But we get the impression that she's still around. She's just in a different form, which also, again, Lord of the Rings connection here reminds me of Gandalf <laughs> because Gandalf in The Hobbit disappears halfway through the book. He leaves, but then we find out that he's right. been keeping an eye on Bilbo the whole time. And if he needed <laughs> to, he would intervene. Now, it doesn't look like Dulcia intervenes while the Rangers are going about their quest, but you know, we still get that impression that she's keeping an eye on them. But yeah. she knows I, that I they get, need to go do this themselves. I find it interesting that that she transformed into a white owl. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that I'm not sure if that has like real literary significance, but I just found that really interesting. That was a really interesting choice because mm-hmm. I know owls imply wis I know owls imply wisdom, uh, mm-hmm. but outside of that, I don't know a whole lot about owls and the lore surrounding them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make sense though. So, you know, yeah, she comes in, does her thing, and we, you know, we had some nice eye candy, and she moves the story along, and she proves that she's more than eye candy. But now we need to get to. Right. She's very, she's she's very capable. Like yes, regardless, of, like all like all looks aside on it, she's a very she's a very beautiful woman, but she's very capable. She is she is uh, portrayed in this film as very very capable, not just. Uh, you know, there for eye candy and to be oogled, oogled, ogled, ogled. There we go. Ogled. Yeah. Although we, she also has a, uh, she's also a very strong woman in real life because the actress got cancer. (laughs) She had ovarian cancer. Oh yeah. And had to quit, Uh, had to quit. Then they brought in another actress for a couple of weeks. She didn't quite work out. And then they just went and got the other actress. Got, got her back. And she came in. And I'm glad did that the movie she. I'm glad with that she ovarian did cancer. Ard core. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that is, that is that's impressive. You know she's not the only you know I guess femme fatale character we get I in the franchise. Call her femme fatale. Ha- well, okay. I mean she's still a gorgeous woman. Um, who had to leave for medical circumstances well, and then come back. is the quote unquote fatal woman. So the, she's, she's a woman. Oh, femme fatale is a woman who uses her sex appeal to get what she wants, but you, you know, but she ends up being the downfall of men basically. Oh, that's, well, that's the, mind, that is the right. archetype here. Uh, well, that's the okay. archetype so, that we're, when we talk about, but yeah, Gabriel, oh, no, Gabrielle Fitzpatrick was her name. I just want to make sure mm-hmm. I put that out there because she is, she was hardcore in real life too. Yeah, for sure. So, um, we also get, uh, are we still on ally? Well, I just want to do a little footnote here. Cause I'm, I found it when I was reading the power Bible, uh, we, she was not gonna, she was not supposed to be the only ally that we got on Phaedos. Uh, Dulcia was actually supposed to have an assistant called Snoggle, which is this little elephant, this little blue elephant creature, uh, that, uh, is her, basically her partner, not her like love partner, but her partner in protecting the compound or protecting the power, I guess. Uh, but just for, I'm assuming for budgetary, it never go, it never went into detail as to why that never came to the film. I'm assuming just for budgetary reasons, they cut it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to the villains. So just so everyone knows, 
Uh, several of our favorite villains from the show are in here. We get Rita, we get Zed, and we get Goldar. Now, Barbara mm-hmm. Goodson is still voicing Rita, and Robert Axelrod is still voicing Zed, and the, what's his name, Kerrigan Mahan. Mahan. He's still voicing yes. Goldar, but they all, but Rita's played by a new actress. They redesigned the suits. Mm-hmm. Some are better than others. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but then all the other villains are not there and replaced with a pig named Mordant. Yes, who yeah. he is. I, I try to do a little bit of digging on him and there's not a whole lot about him. I think the director of the film uh, kind of just went back and retconned uh, a backstory for it for him. So according to, you know, a lot of retconning, uh, he is supposed to be Goldar's cousin, but it was mainly so they could have uh, another new shiny villain because, well, that and because the squat and baboo suits were in such poor, poor shape by this yeah, time, which is just weird because he, he's a pig, but he has a, he has a monocle. Like he is a British aristocrat, but he doesn't have a British accent. <laughs> he kind of talks like this. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird. He's a weird conglomeration of design choices. And I don't quite get it. Yeah. It's, my favorite okay so my, this is not my award but my favorite line from Mordant is when Ivan Ooze spits out the goo to make the Tengu warriors uh, he says good distance you know <laughs> my favorite line from Mordant is I had a week back about a week back <laughs> <laughs> I mean I wish honest to god I wish that this character would have made it to the show I think it would have fit. He would have fit it in fit. the show. Yeah. It would have. Oh, yeah. it, another line from him. How could I forget? I never knew. <laughs> but that's Mordant. He's a giant, uh, a giant hog. I guess he's like- a, you know what would make more sense? Maybe he's this universe's version of Pudgy Pig. He's just slightly more sophisticated. <laughs> I'm wondering, yeah, maybe. I'm wondering if that was the inspiration behind doing it, though. Um, I don't know. That's just that's something that I would like to find out if that's if that was the inspiration behind maybe doing this one-off character. Anyway, maybe. moving on. So, yeah, but have, uh, I, so have, I do want to. Well, I do want to talk briefly about the villains who uh, the villains who were returning in this. Rita looks sure. Yeah, Rita's all right. Uh, you get used to the new actress pretty quick. It's not a big deal. She, it's it's Rita. They didn't really do much with yeah. her other than make her costume look a wee bit prettier. Goldar, right. not a fan. I don't like this Goldar really? design. Yeah, I don't like this really? Goldar design. Now, in the hierarchy of Goldar designs, it's not as bad as Maximus. Good and lord, I don't like that. I really don't like I'd really... Mm, yeah, but yeah, okay. But you know, we're talking about well, real Goldar we're talking Maximus about real looks, Goldars here. But <laughs> Right. Goldar but, uh, Maximus uh, just uh, like a, I, looks like a Ma- giant walking toy. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, he looks like an action figure. He just looks weird. I don't like the the face looks really scrunched in. It just looks odd. And the the other reason I'm not as big a fan of this Goldar is because this is about when they start shifting Goldar's characterization. 
Yeah, it is. And because yeah. You know, about about midway, about midway to towards the end of season 2 is when he starts becoming just kind of played for laughs a lot of times. Uh, except, and it becomes in increasing- the, except I think in the show it's more just because he's a very serious character in not so serious situations, so it's the laughs come from his annoyance more than anything mm-hmm. else. This is we're making him the comic relief. Yeah. Now he isn't yeah. as much comic and, relief as Mordant, but he still played for laughs in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will say what, what this suit has going for it that a lot of the other Goldar suits don't is the expressiveness of the face. That's I think, true. Th- I think, I think that is what the, I think that's the main thing. That's the main thing that, that this suit has going for it is its expressiveness in the animatronics done in the face yeah. because I mean, the, 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 the face moves very well. Everything else is completely stiff, but the face moves very well. Yeah. But he's the face, his face looks a heck of a lot scarier on the show. Oh, like it he it's, he it's, looks like uh, on the show, he looks like a snarling dog that is about ready to just rip your throat out with that, especially with the redesigned jaw and teeth that they gave him good lord Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in this one he yeah he's not scary now what what's your take on the on this redesigned zed now it's robert axelrod but you wouldn't know it because they modulate his voice differently and i don't like this modulation he sounds more like a typical Uh, like a cartoon villain who's supposed to be i am lord zed it's so deep and gravelly whereas on the show it's it was like that, but it still sounded a bit more unique. Yeah. I mean, okay. So one more, one, oh, one more thing before we get off of Goldar. One key feature that they are missing from Goldar in this movie is the, um, the, I guess the scorpion, the spider scorpion tail that hang down from the sides of his neck. Mm-hmm. They are missing it in this, in this movie, uh, which is kind of a weird design change, but it is, it's not a make or break, but whatever. Um, now, as far as the Zed goes, uh, I used to not like the design of this Lord Zed from the movie. I, 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 I in fact, I hated it at one point. I, I thought it was awful. Uh, it looked nothing like the show. There's extra armor in places there shouldn't be armor. Um, his, in fact, his exoskeleton looks less like an exoskeleton and more like armor in this movie. Um, than it did in the show. Now, with that said, over over the years, it has kind of grown on me, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very in, it is a very intimidating uh, representation of what Zed could have been or mm-hmm. what Zed was. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you there, but honestly, I think I still prefer the show, and I think the reason why is it's the same reason why I don't like this Goldar design as much, despite the fact that this is the big budget Hollywood version. It looks like a toy. Goldar looks like a toy. Yes. Zed looks like a toy. And I think that's how the best way I can think of to explain it. Whereas the Zed in the show doesn't seem toy-like to me. Mm-hmm. No, I can I can understand that. I can understand. I, I personally don't have a problem with this with the Zed from from this movie. I obviously I I most certainly prefer the one from the show from specifically his debut, because I think that like the suit never 
looked so good as it did in the first, uh, like say dozen or so episodes of season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I drastically prefer that over this, but honestly I have learned to accept and appreciate this one just as much. Yeah. And I do think the one thing I will say I appreciate about this is that this isn't quite the, to put it politely, this isn't quite the neutered Zed that we had toward the end of season two. He still seems pretty intimidating. He still seems mm-hmm. very much in control. He's still, the implication seems to be that he's married to Rita. They don't say it, but right. the implication seems to right. be that he's married to Rita. And, but it's, it's more of that kind of a bickering sort of relationship. I mean, there's even a point where ooze throws a bunch or throws some slime onto Rita when she tries to screech at him. And, (laughs) and in one of the best lines of the movie, he says, finally, someone shut her up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's that, 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 but that's, that's really the, you get, like you said, you get the implication that he is in charge. At least he's in charge until, until Ivan our actual puts villain shows up. Do we want to talk about him or do our, we want to talk about the henchmen first? Because we have uh, two sets of them. You, you know, let's let's okay. So let's save Ivan for last, and we'll do okay. we'll do him last because I'm we're gonna I feel like we're gonna spend a lot of time on him. So yeah, let's talk about the henchmen next. Uh, okay, um, I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't know why they needed two sets of them. I don't know why we needed the Uzlets <sighs> and the Tangu. The Tangu don't make quite as much sense to me in this, even though Ivan makes both of them, there's not even an explanation. We're like, well, the Uzlets failed, so I will make new henchmen. There's nothing like that. There's just two sets of them. I like the Uzlets. They're much more on brand and they were far more interesting to see fight the Rangers at the beginning of the movie. I was like, I want more of these. Why? What's with the birds? Is it just because you needed to have, things that could fly to go to the other planet. I don't know. Give them a spaceship. I don't know. Make something up. Okay. <laughs> a spaceship I makes more sense that, than birds that can fly in space. I, I think that the, I think this movie takes a, um, a more is more approach. Um, when it comes to, are you, you saying know, certain, it's a little indulgent? aspects of it? <laughs> a little, I would say it's a little, and which is surprising considering its budget, and cons- you know, it only it, its budget was pretty humble compared compared to other blockbusters at the time. Uh, but they start, but they tried to cram so much into it. Uh, but I'm I'm with you. I, I think that the Uzlets would have served as the hint as as fine foot soldiers um, throughout the entire. Uh, throughout the entire length of the movie, I think that they were more intimidating. They were more capable than the Tengu. Um, but I can't, I'm wondering though, if, if maybe they didn't have season three in mind when they made the Tengu and they just needed maybe the excuse to, but it doesn't really make sense either because there's no continuity. Yeah, and the only thing I could think of possibly is maybe they, and I don't know, you'll have to dig around in your behind-the-scenes book, maybe. The only thing I could think of there's is not, maybe... There's really not much on the, there's really not much on the Tengu in, no. in, in, in the Power Bible. The only thing I could think asking. of is that maybe they made the suits for season three, and they needed to save money. So they just said throw yeah, them in the movie. Because ba- their, their origins are basically the same. They're bits of... Ivan Ooze. 
The only thing that's different yeah. is that the Tengu are loogies. <laughs> and because that's what you egg, do. Yeah. You you want it with your kids' movie. You not only make your villain cartoonishly evil, you make him disgusting. Because, you know, snart, snot jokes self with kids. <laughs> snot, snot jokes and potty humor. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Let's just be glad that this isn't uh, this isn't like an R-rated parody of Power Rangers where the Tengu probably would have came from somewhere else. Oh, no. we're not going. No, 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 no. We're not going there. We're not uh, going there. We're yeah, not we're going not. there. We're not, we're not going there. But anyway, so the Tengu are in this and they're dim-witted bird brains. Literally. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they are. They Although are. they do have, they have some kind of funny lines in this. <laughs> One of them is talking to Ivan Ooze and says, want us to take another whack at it? Because they just got back from failing to stop the Power Rangers. And Ooze <laughs> says, how about another quack at it? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is funny. It it is funny. Like, but there's not really, honestly, there's not much else I can say about about the Tengu Tang. I keep wanting to call them the Tengas because in the show they're called the Tengas. But there's not much else I can say about the Tengu Warriors, um, except yeah. for I feel like they were a slightly unnecessary outside of just flying to the other planet to uh, annoy the Rangers. Yeah. By the way, Tengu is taken from a. Folk, uh, a creature from Japanese folklore that was a bird creature. I talked about that actually in an episode of the film fault. Funny enough, you tried to tell me, he's like, you, because I was talking about Tengu and pop culture a little bit. And he's like, you didn't bring up the Power Rangers and the Tengu. And then you're like, actually, there were, there were Tengu in the movie and Tengas in the show. So I guess I can let you off. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I, I tried to, I tried to, I tried to get you on a just act. Oh, well, actually, <laughs> well, well, actually, yeah. Now let's talk about our actual villain, who, if you played the Power Rangers fighting game back in the day, you hated this guy because he was the cheapest thing ever. Oh my god, I hated this character. Like, <laughs> are you talking about the one on? Are you talking about the one for Sega? Because that's the one. And Super that Nintendo. is the one that. And, oh, was it on Super Nintendo too? I mm -hmm. had a Sega growing up, so I absolutely I loved beating the crap out of the Oozlets. But when it came to Ooze himself, oh my god! Like two hits and you're dead, basically. So yes, Ivan Ooze, <laughs> better known as Power Rangers Freddy Krueger. Uh, well, you know, it's or the Power Rangers, I'm the Power Rangers version of the Joker. Yeah, well, I mean. There were points where I actually thought he was played by the same actor as <laughs> as Freddy Krueger. Oh, I know, because Paul Freeman looks exactly like Robert England to me. I think so. Now, horror fans will be able to tell the difference, but to me, at, at first blush, I could have swore this was Robert England. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's very much a Power Rangers villain. He's got ridiculous powers. He's cartoonishly evil and mm -hmm. he's that make him as cool as possible sort of villain. But what really sells him, I have to say what really sells him is everything. This man says <laughs> is gold. Comedy gold. <laughs> it is gold. <laughs> I mean, it was to the point where I'm like, I need to pick a best line for this movie for the awards. 
and almost all of my candidates are coming out of Ooze's mouth. So you're saying they're just oozing out of him? Yes. Uh, just to give you, a, <laughs> I mean, I, this, uh, this might, by process of elimination, you might start figuring out what got the award, but I'm just looking over my notes, just seeing which ones I didn't pick. So some of what he says are, because there's a, my gosh, I was shocked how many pop culture references are in this especially compared to the show there. It didn't seem like there was all that many pop culture references in the show. They kind of make up their own pop culture in this, or if there are pop culture references, they're pretty subtle. Well, they are pop culture at this point. Yeah, they are pop culture at this point. But so, uh, so some of what he said, like he says, welcome to my nightmare, which is an Alice Cooper reference. (laughs) The one that I, one that I like is, uh, I've had a Charlie horse since the Renaissance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I mentioned some of the other ones already. Uh, you know, the boogeyman is taking over. <laughs> was it? And then was it him who came up with the insult dingle dorks? I'm like, who that? What? Who, what? Are you five? Uh, yes. It's yeah. 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 You, no, no. He came up with dingle dorks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see. Oh, he says hasta la vista, baby. I'm like, oh my gosh, really, guys. Uh, <laughs> this one almost won because it's not one that I necessarily hear get quoted all the time. And he says it to Goldar and he says, touch me again and you'll be chicken wings in the morning. <laughs> oh, uh, here's one more. Here's here's one more. Have you hugged your swords today? <laughs> <laughs> Have you hugged your swords? Um, but no, I, I love, I love Ivan Ooze and Anyone who's ever listened to me on any podcast ever in existence since I've been podcasting knows I stand a good villain. And in the pantheon of villains, I think Ivan Ooze is one of the best. At least I I like a good villain that has personality. He's evil. He's powerful. He looks cool. I just think that Ivan Ooze does. He he fits the bill on all those things. Yeah. What helps with this one is that it's the actor who's selling it. The, the, The guy just embraces the role. I mean, this is at a point where. Honestly, a lot of times the villains in this have the best actors and the best and the best lines. Sometimes, maybe even arguably the best characters. Mortal Kombat, Chang Sung, need I say more? That guy mm-hmm. was just killing it in that movie, literally and figuratively. And then you had the you had the Van Damme Street Fighter movie, which is at best, at best mediocre. But you throw in Raul Julia as M. Bison and every scene he's in is elevated. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the, the thing is the director really didn't, he didn't write a whole, I mean, he wrote lines for, for Paul Freeman, but you know, just to keep the story moving and to give context, but he basically told Paul, Mr. Freeman to just be Mr. Freeman, this whole movie. And this is what we get. Yeah. So he just cuts loose and just goes crazy. And now, and so, and I will say he definitely feels like a cinematic villain because there's no way they could have done Ivan Ooze on the show. I Just mean, they no could, but it would be, they could have, I think they could have still done it, but in a more watered down way, it would have been really cheap. I don't think it would have worked, but on the other hand, Ivan Ooze is part of the, the effects. 
the <sighs> special effects. Well, I should say the CGI has not yeah, I mean, it's, aged well. Do we want to well. get into that? Yeah, sure. I mean, we can let's do it. Actually, I think it would be fun to do a comparison just really for a few minutes of uh, the CGI versus the practical effects in this movie because there are actually yeah. really good practical effects in this yeah, movie. Yeah, there are. That's the thing. The practical effects in this are nice, but the oh my gosh, the CGI. Oh, the CGI is terrible. Because uh, I mean, we have I monster, had, we uh, uh because we have to still have to talk about the Zords and the monsters of the week. And the mon- although the only real monsters of the week I have in this are these two robots that Ooze is trying to find. Scorpatron and Hornitor. Uh Hornator. I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Nathan. Keep it PG, it's, dang it. I know. <laughs> I know what it is, Nathan, but yes, the, like if I had to knock this movie, honestly, if I had to knock this movie for, for one major thing, it is the CGI because the CGI, oh boy. Okay. So anyone listening who's familiar with this movie, you're going to, you're probably going to eye roll, but I think the CGI in Godzilla 1998 is aged better than this movie. Oh, it has. I'm not, I won't even argue with you on that. It has. These things look like rejected character models from Beast Wars. I mean, Beast Wars looks better than this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Beast Wars is 10 times better than this. Uh, Oh, my God. Because the the Zords, the the Ninja Zords, they're introduced here. The Zord, the new Zords we get in season three are introduced here. And the, and then the, the, these robots that he's trying to fight, they look like ugly muddled messes. And I don't know what anything is in this. The Zords, when they're separate, you can barely tell what they are. And then good grief when they combine into what, what is that thing called? Like Ninja Megazord or whatever. I don't even know what I'm looking at. I can, it's like, I can see the outline of a humanoid body, but I don't like, is that a face and a head? And just what is this? Like, I mean, it's, it is, I really don't, I really don't want to not as much as I, like, I genuinely love this movie. Don't like, don't get me wrong, but the, like, I can't, I cringe. I can't watch those CGI scenes without saying to myself, why? Just why? Like, what the JDF was that? Yeah. I I guess they thought it was like, hey, we're a movie. We get, we're going to be cool and use CGI. Everybody uses CGI because Jurassic Park, man, CGI is the, is the future. We're going to use it. It's like, yeah. I mean, that's fine. That's totally fine. That's totally fine, but don't make it so chromed out that you can't see anything. Yeah, it's uh, there's a little too much shiny. <laughs> yeah, the 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 computer the computers that were rendering that must have been screaming by the end of this movie. Oh jeez, <laughs> I think they were making this thing on MS DOS. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just and the the there's a. There's a reference for you, kids. Um, <laughs> they're all look, they're probably they're, no, they're, all of the all the zoomers are looking at us. They're like, ah, okay, boomers. Like, we're not boomers anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's not. I mean, I, I mean, it's all t- it's terrible. Yes, I get it. The CGI is awful, and God, please don't get me started on the on the on the Ivan Ooze CGI Zord thing when oh, he merges that didn't even with make sense. I was like, you could do that this entire time. I mean, at least it makes 
I guess they was like, well, we're not going to do the, you know, whatever size change gimmick, like in the show. We're just going to have him combine with the robot. But I'm like, where did all that extra mass come from? I'm just, <laughs> how did he get bigger? Right. Why is he the blob now? I mean, did he absorb? Like, oh, whatever. It was just, I mean, it's just well, making stuff not, up as a, it goes, which the show does that. too, but ugh. I don't have a problem with that because I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of this franchise. I can suspend my disbelief long enough to, to believe that. Like, I just wish they would have made it look better. Yeah. That's my thing. I just yeah. wish they would have made it look better. Yeah. And Scorpatron and Hornator, they are, those designs are terrible and they're not memorable at all. They're not even memorably bad. They're just generically I have, bad. <laughs> I did have the, to- I did have the toys though. I did have both toys though. I bet the were, toys like, look better than the movie. <laughs> oh, the toys look amazing. The toys are fantastic. But the in the movie, they're they look like gar they look like hot uh, CGI garbage. garbage. Yeah, but, the Zords yeah. didn't fare much. Well, the Zords are a little bit better, but then they combine and they look terrible. I mean, I know as much as you hate the uh, as much as you hate the 2017 Megazord, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'll, okay, so I'll, I'll give you that as much as I, but I will say, I will say, I will say, you know, at least this Megazord still resembled more of a Megazord than whatever that Optimus Prime knockoff was. Except this one, I'm not sure what, what anything is <laughs> on this one it's just an unholy ms dos cgi mess anyway but the but the but then by contrast the practical effects in this still look good you know when the rangers oh. are fighting the ooslets oh. that those are practical that those were practical the, yes know, those were. were practical effects they're doing wire work and you know uh, they had practical goo the the skeleton dinosaur monster that thing looked amazing Oh, the skeleton looks fantastic. And honestly, uh, we didn't talk about this when we we didn't talk about this a second ago when we were talking about the uh, uh, Thados and Dulcia, but the 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 gatekeepers that guard yeah. the Temple of Power. Now they use like, CGI they to great. when they first appear, but then as soon as they right. you know they morph from the statues into their monster forms, then they're they're practical. Right, and that was great. Right, I mean. I mean, they look fantastic. I mean, like they, they did have, they did have a lot. And this was, I was telling you before we start recording, they did have a lot of practical effects in this movie that I'll, that I believe get overshadowed because the uh, CGI just looks so bad because a lot of people you talk to, the one thing they remember about this movie, well, two things, Ivan Ooze and the horrible CGI. That is the first things that come to mind when they, when you, mm-hmm. when you talk about this movie with folks. But I think that, you know, you and I as fans of practical effects, cause we watch a lot of media that, that has practical effects, you know, IE you know, Ultraman, Godzilla, you know, et cetera. And even all, and then even power Rangers at this point had practical, we're using a ton of practical effects from, um, from uh, Super Sentai. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the not going to be are, uh, this. It won't be for a uh, several, <laughs> more than several years actually before the shows start doing CGI Zords. Mm-hmm. I think the first uh, the first season to embrace Zord CGI is Wild Force. Yeah, after this, it's yeah, the, it's that's the first one to embrace Zord CGI. Um, but like 
they they made their own they made like this really one they made this really intricate set for downtown sydney mm-hmm. or what was supposed to be downtown angel grove but it was downtown sydney australia yeah, that they filmed uh, on location they have practical sets everything is built in this movie i miss that oh the the command center is a practical effect the oh, command yeah. center is looks, a practical and effect so yeah and it's so much more detailed and it's brightly colored it's brightly lit it's we actually get to see Zordon as a real person, which is kind of weird. <laughs> it is weird. It is very, very weird. Uh, I mean, the 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 castle, the the Moon Cruise castle, that is a practical yeah, effect. That, That's a practical it actually, stage. It looks, there, it looks the, good. There, it looks kind of scary, to be honest. I mean, it yeah. looks and more we for, and we forgot to talk about that. Ivan news. This is how you show that you have a legitimate. A more legit, you know, a, a very a more powerful threat than usual. Ivan Ooze invades the command center. This is a trope now on the show. You want to show that your villain is serious? Have him invade the command center center and trash it. <laughs> I mean, it's not the it's not the first time we see it. In, that's what in I mean. fact, it was, season one, it, Tommy. Yeah, that's why I mean it was yeah. a trope at this point because it happened several times, and it was only in the most dire of situations <laughs> when this happens. But yeah, so yeah. Th- that's the thing. This was at an era where CGI was more of a thing, but they were still doing a lot of practical things. And I miss practical sets and, you know, because now they just green screen everything. And that's, there's an you artificiality know, I, to it that I don't like. We're going to get to this. We're going to get to this in a few weeks, but I, um, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm happy that the turbo movie course corrected. If there was not so many aspects of turbo that are bad, Uh, like the effects in turbo, fantastic. Everything else about turbo mediocre, but Mm. I still love it. Don't get me wrong. I still love it. Opinions. Anyway. So all of that to say (laughs) the, yeah, the practical effects in this hold up CGI. No. Yeah. So I think we've basically covered everything. So what would you say is the big theme in this movie? For me, it's the hero's journey. That's a good question because I've been sitting here thinking, because I don't have anything in my notes about it. Uh, honestly, because I just, I, I just, I couldn't get, I could not think of anything outside of what you said, the hero's journey. This is a very traditional hero's journey. And we've talked about it on uh episode. We won't, for the sake of time, because we are running a little, we are running a little long on this one, but um, for the sake of time, we won't go into full detail by what we mean by the hero's journey. Uh, because I think we even touched on earlier in this episode. We did. And we've, t- and I know we've talked about it in, in prior episodes as well, but I think the hero's journey is the main theme of this movie. And it's, you know, all for all intents and purposes, it's done well. It's, it's done well. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. what they did with, with this movie. I wish they would have done more of a hero's journey in the 2017 movie where it didn't feel earned, but that's my soapbox. <laughs> Save the soapbox. Anyway, I mean, I'm starting to think I might want to do a little bit of research on the hero's journey. Cause I'm going to be spoiler warning. I'll be covering this movie again on the film vault in a few months. <sighs> Shout out to the cell cast for, uh, for sponsoring it. Basically, the importance, the thing that's important about the hero's journey is that in many ways it's 
a metaphor for you know for one's life that that's why it resonates with people as much as it has and why it has been used since antiquity it's because mm-hmm. even though the people who are hearing of the hearing these stories even though they're not going around meeting gods and slaying monsters and all of those sorts of things there's resonance with that because life is a journey and we're always going going about our day and facing challenges and we have to have things like a mentor and we have setbacks and you know we yeah. you know uh, things change you know and we have to course correct and we have to learn new things or acquire new things so that we can face whatever is the main challenge or the next challenge or something like that there's reasons why it works and why even though some people might view the hero's journey as something of a cliche it works it's used in basically all of the most popular ips out there uh it's in the original superman movie it's in the matrix it's in star wars it's in everything you can't get away from it Mm -hmm. because it just works and as silly as this movie is it follows it to a T and in, you know, in many ways, it's kind of, this is kind of an odyssey. You know, these young characters, some might say that they're basically a team that's just one character because they, they would say that they don't really have distinct enough personalities. Eh, maybe, I don't know, but maybe, you know, maybe, the, maybe just for this movie though. Yeah. But they travel, they lose their powers and in order to get them back and to save their mentor, they have to journey to a faraway place and mm-hmm. face all kinds of obstacles. They're, you know, they fight the Tengu, they fight the Bone Monster, they meet Dulcia, and they have a little bit of a tussle with her, and then they are helped along, and then they have to fight the gatekeepers, and just, and then they have to fight the final boss. I mean, it's just, it's just one thing after another. They can't just go from point A to point B and get what they need. Yeah. And I want to ask you, I want to ask you a really quick question before we get into our awards out of all of the, out of all of the, I'm not going to say superhero media because I think I want to encompass everything like Lord of the Rings and, uh, Lord Chronicles of, the Rings of Narnia is a and all journey. that stuff. Yeah. Right. The Hobbit is a I hero's ask journey. You where, where does where does Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie rank for you as far as re, uh, as a rehashing of the hero's journey? It actually, like I said, as silly as it is, it does it actually pretty well. Now, is it the best story to use the hero's journey structure? I'm I wouldn't say that. Uh, I would still say Lord of the Rings is a better story. I would still say Star Wars is a better story. But I think that the fact uh, that this movie has some staying power is because it used that and it resonates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But now we should get to the awards. <laughs> oh, I do, now, have one, yes. I do have one more line. I want to bring up one more line. Well, two more things. Sure. First off, as much as I've been talking about like the hero's journey, this is great. Well, we also get something that is a little bit of a joke in, if you study the classics, even in hero's journey sort of stuff, ever heard the term mm-hmm. do sex machina? 
I did, yes. Or I do. I, I do what that. Yes, yeah. I do know it what means, that means. It means God <laughs> out of the machine. And it, uh-huh. it, it's a literary term. And like I said, it's a little bit of a joke now. But the idea originally was that if you read classic, uh, like classic Greek plays, it was to refer to when the characters spend the entire story trying to fix whatever the problem is and they can't do it. And then one of the gods just shows up, snaps his finger and fixes everything. Yeah. We have a do sex morphica in this. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do se- if we were doing like custom titles to these, uh, to these episodes, I think I'd use do sex morphina. Hey, I, uh, we, for- we still have time. We can still use funny titles for all of them, but <laughs> do sex morphica because they go through all of that stuff, all that whole quest. They beat the bad guys, save the world. But they're too late to save Zordon. And what do they do? Hold hands, sing Kumbaya, and say, we will tap into the power and we will save him. And I'm like, what? What? Why didn't you do that to begin with? Seriously. Well, it's because they lost their powers because everything got trashed. Well, true. That is true. So they do it with the stuff that they learned, but it feels really cheap. (laughs) It's because it's just... All they do is hold hands, sing Kumbaya, and I mean, it's just like, it's like, this isn't the end to some epic superhero story. This is night three of church camp. <laughs> we're all into a circle holding hands and praying. I mean, just. So we're, so we're going to, so we're singing Father Zordon had many sons and many sons had Father Zordon. I am, I am one, one of, the, of okay, them. That's and so are you. <laughs> so let's just more, let's just mighty morph. Yeah. Okay. Oh that's gosh. enough. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> And now so, all of us who didn't grow up in the church are just wondering what weird cult did you join? <laughs> it's the cult. It's it's the cult. It's the cult of. It's the cult of Morphin. I don't. It's I don't know. I I, I can't think of a funny name. The so church I'm just of Zordon. There. The Church of Zordon. Yes, yes, yes. Where it's the it's the Apostle Alpha. Um, so, <laughs> Saint Alpha the Fifth. Saint Alpha the Fifth. Yes. Okay. So. Oh. Uh, uh, oh. Uh, also, funny enough, Fred says that when he grows up, he wants to be a ranger. And guess what colors he says he wanted? Do you remember, catch those? Uh, green. No, he said, "I want to be a silver ranger, or maybe I'll be a gold ranger." I'm like, hmm, hmm, hmm. A little bit I, of foreshadowing. The accidental foreshadowing, but uh, yeah. Also, <laughs> actually, before Marvel did it, there was a mid-credit stinger in this movie. Yeah, there was. That had this is- <laughs> one of the funnier lines because all the bosses are gone, so it's just Mordid and Goldar, and Goldar is sitting upon the throne, and he says, I'm King Goldar, ruler of the universe. And then Lord Zed and Rita just walk in, and they just glare at him, and he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> and it just ends. And then the song starts. So, Nathan, do you want to get into our awards 
So, and for the uninitiated, I know this is, I know this episode's a little all over the place. So, but if you're a brand new listener to the power trip, uh, we like to give out awards to, uh, things like our, the best fight scene and the best line and the best special effects. Mm-hmm. All inspired so, Nathan, by my I'm, other podcast tension then. Thank you, Travis. But I believe we do it. I believe we do it better. Um, <laughs> So, Nathan, <laughs> I'm going to let you go stick. first. <laughs> I'm going to let you go the, first. Yeah. All right. All right. So I'm the first let you award, go first. Yeah. The first award is the Power Range of Motion. You're welcome. <laughs> For the best stunter fight scene. I have the, the fight against the Uzlets. I, that, I think that is honestly the best action sequence in the entire movie. There. I said hmm. it. So... That's fair. Mine also comes from a fight scene, but mine is a little bit different. Mine comes from when the Rangers fight the gatekeepers before entering the uh, Temple of Power. The reason being is because I feel like that one, although the the one the fight with the Uzlets is good, and there's a lot of good fight choreography in that one, I feel like there's a little bit more drama and suspense in the battle with the gatekeepers. And they're just a cool design. Mm, yeah. Yeah, they are. And then next up, we have the Ultra SFX Zord Award for the best special effect. I, there were several that I wanted to pick, and we've talked a lot about the you know, none of the CGI. Good Lord. Although, interestingly, like, there is one shot of practical effects for the Zords. It's the Falcon Zord when it crashes into a building. And I thought, why didn't you do that for all of it? Anyway... Uh, for me, like I said, I could have picked a lot of things. I'm going with the Ranger costumes. They look spectacular in this. This feels like the stuff on the show, but given the cinematic treatment, now the dang things weigh 20 pounds, and so they were a little difficult for the stunt actors to move in and wear and for the regular actors to move in. But the the power The power Bible quotes them at 40 pounds. Oh, 40? Well, when I was watching the special features on the Blu-ray, they said 20. So they're heavy. <laughs> they're harder to move they're around. Heavy. If you made these costumes now, I think they would work better. Yeah, because there's, you know, obviously, because now we're, we know so much more about making things like this mm-hmm. and, and how to make them comfortable and move and breathable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for my ultra SFX Zord Award. I'm going to go with all of the CGI. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I um, would I, I would have rage award- quit right now if you had done that. <laughs> 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 we had all we have already touched on it a little bit, but my award actually goes to the set pieces. Uh, I hmm. thought that the set pieces for this for this movie were fantastic. The um, the new command center looked amazing. I really like the new set piece for the for Zed and Rita's palace. Uh, I just thought that the team did such an excellent job of kind of create not just you know giving us nostalgia and stuff, but actually doing a little bit of a little bit more intricate world building with some of these more. Um, intricate and upgraded set pieces. So that's, that's why, that's why I chose those for my award. When your franchise is only two years old, is it really nostalgic? <sighs> Just humor me, Nathan. <laughs> Next door, more phenomenal Mad Libs for the best line. And like I said, basically everything that 
that Ivan who says is gold. And there, so there was a lot to pick from, but what I settled on was, woo, where's my autograph book? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That is such a good one. And in, that's, that's, if anyone's not familiar, that's in reference to, uh, when Ivan, when the Rangers meet Ivan ooze and I think it's, yeah, it's Tommy that says we're the power Rangers. And then Ivan ooze says, woo, where's my autograph book? Yeah. Yeah. Power Rangers. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, again, like you, I had so much to pick from. In fact, I'm going to give mine and I'm going to give a couple honor- honorable mentions um, just simply because I want to. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> um, so we were talking about pop culture references earlier uh, in the episode and how so many pop culture references oh, were I dropped. Uh, Adam references Jurassic Park because on the nose and dinosaurs yes. and yeah. Obvious, obvious. Uh, but my award actually goes to uh, when Ivan Ooze invades the command center and, and, and begins to actually destroy it. Uh, he says, Oh, the things that I have missed, the black plague, the Spanish inquisition, the Brady bunch reunion. Which no, he forgot. I, uh, news forgot. Nobody expects the Spanish inquisition. <laughs> so, like I said, I actually do have a couple runners up because again, my show, I can do what I want. Um, Prior to that, same same scene, um, Ivan News again to Zordon. Have you any idea what it's like to be locked in a rotten egg for six thousand years? It's boring. I have a Charlie. I've had a Charlie horse since the Renaissance, which I think was one of uh, run, one you referenced earlier in the show, Nathan. And mm-hmm. because I'm and because I'm feeling a little cheeky uh, in reference to when Ivan News are up when Ivan News and Goldar are up on the tower and uh, Kimberly flies by. In the uh, crane <laughs> this one <zord>. is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan Ooze, Ivan Ooze says, "Oh, look at there! It's the cute little pink ranger." And um, Goldar turns to Ivan Ooze and says, "You think she's cute too, huh?" Oh, and it's no. just such an awkward throwaway line <laughs> that you can't help but chuckle. <laughs> it's so it's just left field, left field speaking of left field the i i i can't believe that happened for the craziest moment and i think you told me you were considering that line for it but we ended up picking the same thing i call it the crotch kick of doom (laughs) oh my gosh i will tell you the first time i actually watched the movie i was like that happened that happened they did that well it is a movie (laughs) also but it also begs a lot of questions. So, uh, Ivan Ooze has balls. That Zord has balls. <laughs> I mean, he has, you know, uh, it does he has take man a lot- pain. The just that I have so many questions about the anatomy of this. It's just, yeah. So yes, if you ever wanted to see a villain die from man pain, watch this movie. And, <laughs> and what was the line that preceded it? That Aisha says, Cause she gets the, she gets the action movie one liner. They're getting grappled by, by Ivan Ooze and Aisha says, desperate times call for desperate measures. And then Kim says, what are you doing? She says, 
taking care of business. And he hits a button and then the crotch kick of doom happens and he flies off and crashes into the, into a meteor that suddenly they were nearby because they took the fight into space because that's what you do. Well, it's not, it's not, well, it's, it's not out of left field, not necessarily because the whole thing is about, don't they mention early in the, in the early on in the movie that there's supposed to be a comet? I think so, but it's still just, just the fact that this scene even exists. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it is, nuts. it's ridiculous. It's it ridiculous. Is ridiculous. And so. I, according to the drifters, I think they said that they had, the actress who played Aisha, she did a bunch of other different, like they did a bunch of different takes and she did a bunch of different lines. I'm just like, that's what they settled on. <laughs> I wonder what the other ones were. Apparently some of the other ones were not PG. <laughs> Go F yourself. I have a news. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so that was our awards. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know this, this episode, like I said, I know this episode was a little messy, uh, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. And before we close out this episode, we have one more segment to get into that we like to call it's morphin time where we take one minute to give our final thoughts on, on whatever season or movie that we're talking about. So Nathan, I'm going to let you go first again. I'm going to give you the floor. This yeah. Final thoughts in one minute or less. I've got the clock ready. Are you ready, Michael? I'm ready. All right, here we go. In three, two, one, go. I love this movie. It was part of my childhood. (laughs) It may not be, it may not be, uh, the greatest piece of Power Rangers media out there. The CGI may suck, but gosh darn it, this movie is so entertaining. I think it does. I think it takes uh, the Ranger lore that's already been established thus far and adapts it for the big screen. I think it does it pretty well. Um, I enjoy the <laughs> it's actors. I enjoyed time. Ivan Ooze. <laughs> <sighs> yes, it's nostalgia time. I know, Nathan. I'm, I just go wa- just go watch the damn movie. It's good. It's fun. It's, be- it's better than the it's better than the 2017 movie. There, oh, I said. Oh, hot take, hot take, hot take. Uh, uh, I'll save it for when we get to that episode because uh, I don't know about that. Although it's not the worst Power Rangers movie. I have opinions. Time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Power Trip, A Journey Through the Power Rangers franchise. Nathan, do you want to tell our listeners with attitude what we will be covering on the next episode? It will be Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 3, which might be the beginning of the downfall, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the actual beginning of the downfall. Maybe. 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 I doubt it, but maybe. Maybe. I doubt it. I, I a little birdie to a little birdie, or I'm sorry, a little tanga told me that I don't think it is. And with that, dear listeners, with attitude, may you not smell odious like a teenager. May you never ooze and lose. And may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marchant. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at thepowertrippod. 
and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya!